You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News. And today, you're getting back to our player season recap series. And this week is Center's Week. So we're going to do Miles Sabonis and Goga. And today is Miles Turner. I'm really glad I get to break down his season. Should be very fun. And we got some news-ish on Turner during today that I'll talk about later on the show. So that's always exciting. If you're here to hear about Nate Bjorkren and coaching news, Our last three podcasts have been about that. Three ago was about the firing. Two ago about some potential candidates. Last one included some stuff about how the roster relates to the coaching search ongoing. We will not be covering that until more information is released. If you want to read more, my column on the firing, what comes next, and a lot of candidates' connections to the Pacers should be up as of the time of you listening on Forbes Sports. So go check that out. Today is all about centers. It's all, This week's all about centers. Today is all about Miles Turner and the way we've been doing this this season. If you listen to Edmund Sumner, Aaron Holiday's player season recap is, at first we think of a one word to describe this player's season and why, and then run through their stats and how that fits in. And my word for Miles Turner is precipice. Because I think Miles Turner is on the precipice of breaking to being the player he wants to be. And I know I just got a groan from like 50% of you like, ugh, you know, we've been talking about him, being better than this for forever and ever. And I'm not saying he's going to improve. I think he's on the precipice of being the player that he will be at his peak because we saw this year the actualized version of Turner doing mostly what I would say the best stuff he can do despite I still think having slightly too small of a usage, right? So his defense was actualized. He was in a perfect role for him defensively. In fact, it was probably too taxing for him, honestly. On offense, he was given more reign to make decisions when he had the ball. He was allowed to shoot more threes. His three-point attempt rate went up, right? And a lot of stuff just in tow was better, right? So I think that I would say precipice was my season for him where, like, if they could just tweak the usage ever so slightly and schematically and not make things so taxing on him defensively, I think that they're so close. The Pacers were so close this year to getting Turner to being the best version of what Miles Turner can be. They were so close. So statistically, obviously the big stuff for Turner this season. Led the league in blocks. 3.4 per game absurd. He blocked so many shots per game that he didn't even reach the game's played threshold to be the blocks champion, and yet they still gave it to him because if he got zero blocks in the, in the required difference of games between the number he played and the number required to be on the leaderboards, he still would have had the lead. So his blocks were ridiculous, 3.4 per game, 8.8 block percentage career best, which is nuts because he led the league in block percentage at 8.4 two years ago. I don't need to talk about the defense. 1.7 defensive box plus minus is also ridiculous. His impact on that end really can't be stated statistically because, like, obviously he's a huge positive. I don't have to run through that with you. You've all watched Miles Turner play basketball. But a lot of this year, his defense was so important because he was bailing out the scheme or bailing out a player like the Pacers perimeter defense took a step back this season. I think, you know, without Dan Birkin in a more aggressive scheme, a lot of guys were getting beat more often off the dribble and Turner had to make up for those mistakes, change stuff in the lane, make things harder on either team. And he's not the solution to the Pacers problems per se, but he definitely helped cover up a lot of mistakes. So the fact that he was able to still be so impactful is really impressive. Some other stats that stand out to me, two point percentage. For Turner, right? Something he's really struggled with in his career. Not a post-up guy. Doesn't have a floater game, so he struggles inside the arc. Crazy career-high two-point percentage this season. 60.6% 
from inside the arc. His previous career high was 54%, which he basically hit twice his sophomore season and the year before this one on about five attempts per game. So he got a lot better finishing inside. If you look at his shooting splits from various distances, uh, one big jump was at the rim. And I think we saw this because he did not maybe not fewer post-ups, but a lot more of his shots at the rim were like I talked about earlier, he got a lot more confident, was able to to take it off the dribble more often than he was in past seasons off of shot fakes. And that confidence, when he has confidence, he makes decisions right away, keeps the game moving, keeps the ball moving. So his looks at the rim were just better. And of his percentage of shots, 33 of them, 33% of his shots, almost a third came at the rim, which is a career best for him. He'd never even eclipsed 30 before. So the fact that he was taking more of them than he has in the past and making a high percentage really helped with his two-point percentage. So he cut out a lot of the fat on the, on the two-pointers, right? Long twos have been a problem for him in the past, uh, especially on pick and pops, right? He shot just 2.8% of his shots as long twos this season. Uh, excuse me, 1.9% uh, of his shots as long twos this season. 2.8% from 10 to 16 feet. Both of those numbers being really low. Fantastic part of actualizing his game and putting him again on the precipice of being at his peak value. Those two numbers are great. Didn't shoot as well from those distances, but because he cut out a lot of the bad or inefficient shots, it didn't really matter. His percentage from two-point range was great. His shot profile was closer to what I think it needs to be going forward. Um, you know, He can't take a ton more threes. I think that the, the three and D part of him is kind of shipped and sailed. He's just going to be like an average two-point shooter who's really good for a center, right? He shot 33.5% this year. That is the uh, second, third, yeah, that's the second lowest percentage of his career, only exceeding his rookie year when he wasn't really a shooter at all. So he still took the most per game. So I think his impact from deep was roughly similar to what it's been in past seasons, but the accuracy was down. I think he's a better shooter than he showed this year, but I think in general he's just like an average to slightly below average three-point shooter. As a center, again, that's still good. Um, but statistically, you'd like, to, you know, if you're going to call him a 3 and D guy, you'd like to see a little higher stats there. That said, still just a special talent because he can do some unique stuff. But the big number that everybody wants to look at and talk about, 6.5 rebounds per game, that's low. And I know that, you know, you, you put it on the cutting board all the time, right? How can we talk about this? Well, okay, he's not around the rim a lot on offense. So he's not going to get any offensive rebounds. Yep. So he got 1.3 offensive rebounds per game. That was the lowest for him since his rookie season. That makes sense. Sabonis was grabbing them. The team had different offensive rebounding tendencies than they have any other season in his career under old coaching regimes. Uh, the defensive rebounding, 5.2, also the second lowest of his career, just ahead of his rookie year, right? So he's a better box-out guy than a rebound guy, and sometimes the blocks take him out of position for rebounds. But just in general, just some just toughness rebounds he doesn't get, and that's clearly going to be the weakest statistical point for him over the course of his career. We talked about this on a mailbag a few weeks ago. Like, if he was the starting center or he played just center and had all of his minutes as the lone center and it was like 35 to 36 per game, we calculated it out based off of his percentages of rebounds grabbed and the rate he grabs on per 36 and then extrapolated that over the whole game. It was a mess, but it was about nine, right? He'd be about a nine rebound per game center if he played big minutes and was the lone center like Sabonis wasn't on the team. That's good enough, I guess, but not quite good good either it's hard to explain that's like right on the line of interesting so he definitely needs to improve in the rebounding department and i'm not sure that if the pacers keep him with the same roster they had this past season that that number ever will go up that's just going to be a limitation of his game for the rest of his career not a passer just not a thing i'm not even interested in discussing his assist numbers at all but i think across the board sans rebounds his numbers were close to or above expectation the threes withstanding you would like to see that a little higher but in general i would say statistically a good season from turner and that's part of again why he 
precipice was the word I decided to go with for him. I couldn't think of the perfect word. I thought that was pretty good, actually. But, um, yeah, precipice was good to me. I think, again, like he's just so close to, like, give him, give him two more touches a game, right? I guess usage is one more number I want to talk about. 16.4 usage rate for turn of the season. That is super low, super low. For reference, last year under Rick Millen, when we all thought he wasn't getting enough touches or shooting enough threes, 18% usage. Before that, 20%. Before that, 20% again. Before that, 19.5%. And that sophomore year that everybody was really enamored by him, right, and his value took off, that sophomore year he got a lot of touches. That was still his most shot attempts per game was that sophomore year. His usage rate was 19.5, 20.9 is rookie year, 16.4 this year, right? So he was less involved than ever before in terms of finishing pacer possessions right not that he was getting fewer touches necessarily although he was i'm just usage is finishing possessions so that usage rate i think needs to come back up if he's going to be actualized like this on offense where he is shooting more threes and taking more shots at the rim and cutting out the fat and then i think we the precipice will be go to actualize next year and you'll see the true impact miles turner can have as an elite defender and uh, let's just say a 14 point per game score uh, i think if they can get that exactly right maybe 15 so let's move on to skills. And I kind of talked about skills a lot with stats. It's really hard to separate the two. But first, I got to tell you guys about the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. And of course, because we're talking about him already, let's do Miles Turner because this is the news of Miles Turner that came out literally today. All defense teams came out, and Miles Turner did not make all defense. Um, so there are two kind of troubles with him with all defense. The first one we've talked about a ton before, and that is that. He plays center, and the centers are hard to beat for all defense, right? Rudy Gobert is going to get first team. He's the best defender in the NBA, or most impactful at least. He deserves it. No problem there. Joel Embiid ended up catching him in games and is a really talented defender. No, again, no issue there. Those two guys were the first team and second team center, so Miles didn't take their spots. Turner was voted, though, as a forward. For voting purposes this year, he was a forward on all defense ballots, so Kawhi Leonard had the lowest points of forwards, that made the ballots, and then Turner was the highest graded forward for all defense teams that did not make a team. So he was the first forward left off the ballot. Um, I didn't know he was eligible at forward or being voted for at forward. If I knew that, I definitely wouldn't have thought he would have made an all defense team. So he was the best guy left off, like at center or forward, no matter what you dice it. So um, unfortunate because you could probably argue he's better than some of the guards and forwards as, a def as an impact defender, but didn't play enough games. So a top 10 defender in the NBA, our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is Miles Turner, who gets a ton of joy out of playing defense. And joy, happiness, and enjoyment are just three things that you will have if you try Michelob Ultra. And it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And with only 2.6 carbs, 95 calories, joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Try Michelob Ultra today and tell me on Twitter about your Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. All right. Skills. Miles Turner skills. And this one is, I, I, again, it's so hard for me to separate stats and skills. Like when you're reading through stats pages, you think, oh, like boxing out and rebounding and he did all this stuff off the dribble. That's where I want to start is the off the dribble game. That's where I think Turner skill-wise showed the most to me that he hasn't shown before. Uh, and we've talked about this in the past and it's been well documented via writing and podcasting and storytelling is that confidence plays a decently sized role in Miles Turner's performances right when he's really confident he makes these quick decisions he blows by you know feeble defenders and can throw it on a dunk or he's got that little dirk fadeaway he can go to sometimes or he'll dunk it instead of laying it up when he's confident and he'll shoot threes and not swing the ball when he's open right that miles turner is really good offensively and then he'll have some games where he looks more passive and he's just reversing it and screening and he misses these once every week he misses a stupid layup that he could probably dunk and 
you know, just isn't quite the the best version of himself. And that player can still have good games because he's an amazing defender, but certainly a less impactful player. So this year under Bjorkren, uh, to, to Bjorkren's credit, he's not the coach anymore, but he did a good job of getting Turner almost every game he was in in the game to just be fully confident and making those decisions no matter what. I think he was able to unleash him in a way that other coaches have not. It was a big factor in the Pacers' offensive success. But you saw it all the time with Turner where if he was open at the top of the key under McMillan, he would always, always, always like think about – not always. That, that's, I should never use absolutes. But he would often look to the opposite wing to see who was there and then you know reverse it and pitch like Sabonis does now a lot. Uh, instead of just ripping the three, like he, he again, his three point percentage took a, a dip this year, um, but you know he he shot that more confidently, which is big in, in terms of getting defenders out to him and taking open threes when you're just about a league average shooter is still important. And then if he got overplayed on that play, he put it on the deck and took it to the rack, right? And that's something he never did in seasons past. He wasn't afraid to bully mismatches as much this year as he was in the past. His screening looked a little better. They actually mixed in some like short rolls with his pop, so. I definitely think he was more confident and and able on offense this year in ways that he hasn't been in past seasons. Like, we've seen it in past seasons, but it was way more consistent this season, which was huge for him and his impact on the offensive end of the floor. If you fancy offensive um, impact stats, you know, it was, a, it was a decent year for him in that, in that way. So I think that manifested itself pretty well. So that was a really big strength for him to me in terms of his step forward, especially, like, early in the season. He was, like, really good right like the first month of the year he was really good before Brogdon took the reins as, as one of the leaders of the team right so he was fantastic then that's one skill that he looked great and improved in that was huge for him to me another one of course is defensive timing uh he's always been a great shot blocker but this year on another level like best shot blocker in the league by for sure and shot blocking isn't defense I'm not equating the two but he got better at the timing to me in that he got more blocks obviously but he had a lot fewer of those plays where he goes for a block and he can't reach it, and then he's out of the position for a rebound, where he's out of the position to help if they pass or, you know, whatever. He didn't take himself out of the play as much because he got better at knowing when to rotate, when to jump, who to contest. He got better at the chase down blocks. I think that was a big part of his game is he got a little more nibble and spry and better at reading the game, which is hard to believe. His defense is already so good that it's impressive that he was able to read the game better, get that timing down, and use his long limbs to get some crazy blocks. So, that was obviously huge. Looked a little better defending the perimeter this season. He continues to get better at that as he's kind of shoehorned into less centery roles at times on the defensive end, even though he should always be around the rim. But yeah, the, the three-point shot took a step back percentage-wise, accuracy-wise, right? A percent lower than last year, 5% lower than two years ago. You got to see that shot go in more if you if he's going to keep the volume up. I think that four is still fine for him if he's going to be a league average level guy. But that accuracy concern is a problem. Like teams... I've kind of stopped guarding him, right? We saw this in the Heat series two years ago. They just said, all right, if Miles Turner hits threes, whatever, that's fine. We don't care. We're going to shut down other stuff. And that can't happen if they're going to stick him on the perimeter full time. So something's got to give there. And he, he, again, like I just said, he got better at punishing teams for doing that with a little off the dribble game. But, you know, getting even better at that, adding in something of a pass or a floater off the bounce would be huge. That's a lot to ask for a center. I understand. I'm just... That's what I think of when I think of the next evolution for him if he wants to punish teams for sagging off of him. That was a weakness for him this year, that three-point shot, taking a small dip. Uh, and then the rebounding. You know, I talked about it last time. Like, I, I still actually think he's a good rebounder. Like, he identifies where his man is or where a man is or whatever the close – whatever they're asking him to box out. Like, he, he gets to the guy and gets a butt on him. 
But then, like, when he kind of goes up for the ball, he sort of loses the strength behind him, and the guy can, like, get around him or jostle with him and grab it from him and stuff like that. Like, he's definitely not strong in that department. That is certainly where he struggles the most. Like, again, the team rebounding percentage when he's in the game is actually pretty good. I think that's kind of evidence that he's good at boxing out. He, he helps the guards, and the Pacers have some terrible rebounding guards, be better in that department, but he himself is very weak at that, and just by nature of being tall, he needs to be better at that and be better at stopping the other team from having individuals do well rebounding against him. I'm not ever going to expect him to be a quality offensive rebounder, but on the defensive glass, got to be better there. And the fact that I'm not expecting him to be better at offensive rebounding should be a knock, right? Like it's center. I, you know, you you come to expect rebounds from them just naturally based on their height. Not expecting it sort of means his skill set doesn't cater to that. That's both good because he's a perimeter player and bad because your team isn't getting as many offensive rebounds. So his skills are just it's, – it's harder to analyze because he's got – such a unique skill set. I think if he could just develop one pass that was like kind of unique, that'd be huge for him. He's never really been a plus passer at all. He's always been a play finisher. If he wants to get a few more touches, perhaps adding in like one skip pass that he can make the read for would be huge. I don't know if he can do that. Uh, that's tough. That's tough for guys who haven't been ball handlers their whole career. So we'll see. But really, like, he's not just, he's never going to be an all star, but he's definitely growing all of his skills all the time. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he can add to his his palette next because there's not a lot of, like, outside of the rebounding, which is clearly his poor skill, there's not a lot of obvious, like, wow, you've got to be get a, a lot better at this, Miles Turner, if you're going to be, you know, the guy that we've always thought you can be. Maybe the passing, and then all of a sudden he's, you know, got the Sabonis skill set. But uh, I think he's really close to, again, being actualized. That's why I said precipice earlier, and his skills kind of prove that game in and game out. Huge for this team this year. His on-off numbers were tremendous. Uh, I know some people hate on-off numbers these days, but uh, I appreciate them in a team setting in a way that I don't want compared to other players. That's just a tangent. But anyway, his on-off numbers were pretty good this year. I think that showed pretty well how good he can be. And the solo center numbers that we talked about a lot. And Adam will break down the Turbonus numbers on Thursday this week. Um, but the solo center minutes with Turner were fantastic all season because he had that confidence to put the ball on the floor. He was able to be awesome on defense when his other guards or his teammates weren't helping him out so much. So he did a really nice job uh, in the areas he needed to do well in, and that was huge for the team. So what's next for Miles now? After the season where he clearly took a step forward, he looked better, he was one spot off of all defense. Now what? How do the Pacers handle Turbonus going forward? Well, we'll kind of cover that with Sabonis tomorrow. That's Adam's job, but what's Turner's future? Let's talk about it. But first, let's talk about the great folks over at BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season now in literally full swing. It's been going on for two months. My Phillies still stink. But you can track all the action over at BetOnline.ag, plus NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, UFC, MMA action. For example, Bucks nets game five on there. Kyrie Irving out. James Harden out. Bucks favored by four. Could be an interesting one to get in on. Before the next pitch or tip, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info available. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. As teams prep for their runs to the playoffs, head over to that website, BetOnline.ag, or use mobile device. Sign up today. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all in word, when you sign up. BetOnline.ag, code LOCKEDON, your online sportsbook experts, and of course, we're talking about Rock Auto because with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need for your car in a traditional chain storefront. 
Why endure the pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning? Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX or a CX or a PX? Who cares? While the counterman will just order the parts right in front of you on the computer, you can just order them yourself straight to your house from rockauto.com. Family business serving auto parts customers online for over two decades. They'll have everything you'll need from hundreds of manufacturers straight on their website. A few easy clicks, it'll be delivered directly to your door. Their catalog is unique, super easy to navigate, and of course, their prices are always reliably low and the same for everybody. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Okay. What is next for Miles Turner? He is going to be in every trade talk that happens for this team this offseason. It's just how it's going to be. And I know a lot of people really like him. A lot of people really don't like him. And that makes his value harder to pinpoint for fans. I think basically every fake Turner trade sucks because everybody either overvalues him or undervalues him. He was in trades. The reason I th- I bring him up the most often as, as one of the more likely guys to be traded is just because he was in trade talks literally last summer. Same front office, right? The same front office was maybe not going to seems like the wrong words here, but like they could have easily had the, the offer be Sabonis and McDermott for Hayward. And it was Turner and McDermott, right? They, they clearly chose Sabonis in that instance. So I think that because of that, you, th- you think that in a preference so they can go up, get an upgrade or change their roster in a way that makes more sense. Turner's going to be the guy that to do that with. Even after Turner's awesome season, then you wonder, oh, was that just under Bjorkren? You know, who's better? is is a relevant thing that they think and i think we got the evidence last summer so what's next for turner is hard to say if he's back next year i think a lot of his effectiveness depends on a few things one is if that can they nail that actualization i've been talking about all podcast can they get him to completely cut out the fat of his shots get his usage up just a little bit and have a defensive scheme that is still really good for him and allows him to roam the paint and be awesome but also doesn't allow guys into the paint as much as it was all season long I think that would help a ton so um, continuing to find ways to make him the most impactful player possible if he's on the team is still possible just slight tweaks and they're there the other thing that's gonna be a factor for him on the team next year is who's the coach it's not gonna be Nate Bjorken anymore who's he gonna be Stotts could be good for him Yusuf Nurkic has played well under Stotts he got LaMarcus Aldridge to play well as a four and five in his time in Portland, he's done well with bigs over there. Cantor looks great uh, on offense, at least, not on defense. So had some good moments coaching bigs in Portland. If he's hired D'Antoni, got Amari playing really well, had Capella playing well, right, has some good history with bigs. If he's hired, I could keep going down the list of names that are popular. Steve Clifford uh, had Al Jefferson playing well in Charlotte, right? This is a stupid exercise to go through every coach that's been named. But you get the idea. The, the right coach could use Turner in really good ways. Maybe he's the guy who actualizes him, like I've been saying. And maybe he's a guy who staggers the centers more. That would help Turner as well. So what comes next for him if he's on the Pacers is a little hard to say because it's unclear what his role is going to look like next year. It's unclear what the next coach is going to think of him. But beyond all that, it's unclear if he'll be on the team, right? He is the most obvious big asset, change up your team card that the Pacers have. And every year... There's articles written from insiders and stuff that is, that talks about you know trade talks with him. Teams are interested. This team's interested. And the Pacers have held on to him all this time, and I think that's the right choice. He's really good. Getting really good players into your small market team is very hard, but eventually, if they want to swing for the the best version of the Pacers team, they'll have to shake up the center pairing. And if they do that, the evidence suggests still trade Turner. I'm not advocating for a trade of one or the other right now. I'm just saying 
the evidence we have suggests that he might be moved at some point in the future just because of past history, his fit with Sabonis, and what reporting has said. Um, so his future is really interesting. That said, he is extension eligible, I believe, uh, this this summer until the season starts. Once the season starts, he's not extension eligible until next offseason. Uh, he has, I think, two years left on his deal, so three could be added to his deal, unless he has three years left in which two could be added. Whatever, I'm getting too nitty gritty. But he could be he as an extension eligible player. He can get a raise, and he's certainly uh, would love some more years and money. He's really good and really talented. It would not hurt his trade value. I would understand why he might want one. I would totally understand as well why he might want to be a free agent someday and would not take one, especially given like you know he could be the lone center on another team in the future. So I don't think he would take an extension, but it's certainly a consideration if the Pacers decide. To move on from Sabonis, maybe they turn to Turner and say, hey, we want to lock you up long-term. So his future could go many directions. I don't think the team's trading Sabonis again. I'm not advocating for anything here. I'm just discussing my thoughts on the situation, given what we know. But I think that, you know, th th that an extension for him could have some merit in the right situations. I think a trade for him has some merit in the right situations. Obviously, any transaction has merit. If the situation is correct, I'm saying something obvious, but... You know, that's what makes his future really hard to project, right? He could – there's a chance that the Pacers come into next season and they hire the perfect coach for Turner and they decide that they're going to really push him to be in the perfect situation for himself. Uh, and then he just balls out this season and he's worth a ton of money next year and he gets extended then and he's like the future of the team. And then there's also a scenario where the offseason starts and they get a really good deal they like for him and then he's not on the team next year. So his future is really hard to pin down for me. And I think I could do a whole podcast on it if I really wanted to. Um, but I just wanted to lay out the options. And I think that because they're so close to actualizing him, there's a chance he's back. They try to figure it out one more time. Three seasons of the starting big man pairing would be pretty painful. And I don't think they should do it. But I understand why they would. They're both talented players on a small market team. So we'll see what happens there. I still think they can get a little more out of him, like I've been saying this whole show. Precipice. They're right there. They're so close. So we'll see what happens with Miles. I love watching him. Uh, I hope for the best for him in the future, whether that's with the Pacers or another team. But if you have questions about Miles or you want to talk about him, hit me up on Twitter at TEastNBA or this podcast's Twitter account at LockedOnPacers. That is all for today's show. Adam will be back tomorrow to break down the other talented Pacer big man, DeMontis Sabonis. Until then, thank you guys for listening.